0: Welcome back to Thinking About It. I'm here with Dr. Dave Barker as uh, the new usual. And uh, Dave, last time we met, we were we were beginning a conversation on the heart of a shepherd. And uh, this comes out of a uh, an essay that you wrote and contributed uh, with some other faculty members from Heritage called "For Christ and His Church." Some really Uh, Helpful essays. I have a copy of it. Uh, Where would they get this, by the way? Uh, You could contact the school.
1: And uh, um, yeah, I think if you just call the school, Carolyn will answer the phone and she'll be able to find
0: it for you. Okay, so uh, this is coming out of that book. And so I want just to carry on that conversation. Uh, because a lot of our listeners are pastors, and there are pastoral paradigms out there that uh, are better than others, and we want as much as possible to determine what is a biblical paradigm for shepherding, if that's the term that we're even going to use anymore. So let's review your essay and uh, just highlight some of the important aspects of the heart of a shepherd can you do that for us sure
1: and uh, again back to what we just said in the first uh, our first podcast i am committed to maintaining the word shepherd uh the word itself pastor means that and it seems to me that that's intentional it's important even though culturally we may be a little bit more distant from you know the the shepherding fields in in bethlehem and israel but um, I, I think that it's important that we actually learn what those things are and uh, embrace them because I think that's intentional and it does shape how we think. Mm-hmm. Um, to substitute it f- with other words, uh, I think, takes it away from where we need to be and what we need to be doing as as leaders in our churches, as pastors in our churches.
0: Yeah, apart from being a father, there probably is no modern-day uh, word that would be equal yeah. to the idea of shepherding.
1: Yeah, for sure. And you know, and Andy Stanley, in, in his uh, Christian Today article, said that we need to lose the word and um, <clears throat> substitute the word leader. Um, and I just, I know, I, when I first read that, it just kind of hit me sideways that yeah, you
0: lose uh, more than a word when yeah. you do that. Yeah,
1: absolutely. So, so yeah. what do we got, Dave? Well. Um, <laughs> You know, it, um, and by the way, I'd be happy to uh, send this little essay off to anybody who would be interested in, in uh, looking at it. It's fairly short. It's not terribly, um, it's fairly popular. But I, I, I pointed out 10 things that are captured in the word shepherd. Now, I also will say, and there's a footnote, uh, that I'm building heavily off a wonderful, more scholarly book uh, by Tim Laniak called Shepherds After My Own Heart, Pastoral Traditions and Leadership in the Bible. Um, and it's a series edited by D.A. Carson. And uh, we had Tim come and speak at our school, got to know him a little bit. He's a brilliant scholar, by the way. But he wrote this this very, very helpful book on the nature of shepherding, both culturally and historically, as well as biblically. And so I'm cribbing off a lot of his stuff, mm-hmm. and I've got a footnote to uh, to identify that. But... So, yeah, the first thing, and and I think we already talked about the whole leadership thing, shepherds are leaders, and and we're not abandoning that that role, right? Um, uh, um, God, as a shepherd, led his people out of Egypt, Psalm 78. Moses led God's people like a flock, Psalm 77. Um, It's interesting because in the ancient Near East, um, Assyrian kings... Diglas Pileser, for example, and others, they talk about themselves as the shepherd of their people. They actually use that word. And in Psalm 23, we start off by saying, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. Well, the actual implicit hyphen there is, The Lord is our shepherd king and serves as a leader. And when you get further down into Psalm 23, we get it, we're no longer in a, in a tent in the wilderness being led through the valley of the shadow of death, we are now in the palace mm-hmm. and, and we're in the banquet hall. I anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over, right? And so um, there's a the notion that, that the shepherd is not just this passive, uh, gentle uh, person with you know, quiet sheep grazing at his feet while he plays a harp. He's a leader. So I think we, we need not be afraid of losing that aspect of, of shepherding. Um, an interesting picture in uh, Scripture is the shepherd brings people home from exile. Um, Isaiah 40 verse 11 um, Captures the tender care and compassion of a shepherd. He lambs in his arms. He carries them close to his heart. And a text that starts back in forty verse, chapter forty verse one, comfort people. Now announce that their hard service is over. There's a voice calling in the wilderness. Prepare the way of the Lord. And so they they're they're leading people home. They're bringing back people back to safety. And I think you and I, as pastors and others, our task is to give people hope to. Push them towards the fact that, yeah, in many ways we are in exile now. We're in a in a world that doesn't like us a lot. But as a pastor, we're constantly pointing to people, leading them home, pointing to new heavens and new earth, pointing them to the new creation and all the wonderful things that. No, would that be that. would
0: that be uh, people in our fold, or are we looking at uh, evangelism, going after people in exile, lost in sin, and bringing them? home is this is this talking about the pastor as an evangelist or is this a ministry to his sheep or both well um
1: both and I think it's I think we maybe easily can punt to the evangelistic side and that we are bringing people from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of god 's dear son and we are bringing people home from exile exiled away from God and his and, and his people and his kingdom but I think there's a an aspect that the people that we have in our flock need to be given the hope that there is a home for them too, because life is hard. Mm -hmm. If we truly live out our faith as believers with the morals, the ethics, the spirituality that God's kingdom demands, it's painful uh, to, to live that life out in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces, um, in our schools. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, there is a notion that we are giving people hope and that, As God's people, as his flock, we will be brought home someday.
0: And that's something they know, but the job of a preacher is just to keep their eye on the ball, to encourage them with what they should know, but sometimes we forget. Right. And, you know, sometimes we talk about we're so heavenly-minded, we're
1: no earthly good. I don't find that to be the problem anymore. I think sometimes we as pastors need to work harder at getting people back as you mm-hmm. use the eye on the ball. And the ball is ultimately and finally the return of Christ, a new heavens, new earth, a new creation, new Jerusalem. All those wonderful promises that we know about this started in Eden and ended at the, ended okay, at the so end of Eden. Okay, so a
0: shepherd does that.
1: What else? Yeah, you got okay. 10 of these. Um, committed to the care and protection of the flock. I think that's a fairly obvious one, and we need to be involved in that. Uh, Psalm 23, classic example. Uh, at times they need to rebuke and discipline. Uh, Zechariah eleven seven 7 to 14, have this, has the shepherd breaking the staffs called favor and union. Um, we may have to occasionally exercise a similar kind of discipline in our congregations. Care, love, grace, kindness. But yeah, and we do know about the need for discipline in the life of the church. And the pastor has can't be afraid of that. The shepherd can't be afraid of that. Um. The shepherd may be called upon to suffer for the flock, uh, for the purification of the flock. Um, In Zechariah 13, we find that it is the true shepherd who was struck for the sake of the redemption of the sheep. Jesus picks up the image in Mark 14, Matthew 26, and applies it to his sacrifice on the cross. So we at times need to pick up the notion of suffering on behalf of the flock in, in following the model in, of, of Jesus as being the suffering servant to act redemptively for the safety of the flock, for the purification of the flock, for the establishment of the
0: flock. So in the context of Bill C-4, we might, on the front line, suffer suffer for Absolutely. righteousness' sake, and that would be good for the flock. And lead the happened. way.
1: Yeah. Lead the way. Jesus said, the good shepherd laid down his life for the sheep. And yeah, I, I think that as we stand tall and true on some of these moral and ethical issues, we're going to take the abuse, we're going to take the harassment, and that's part of our job.
0: So we can't sit in our oyster and send people out to the front lines and hear how they're doing. We, we're there. We're on the front line.
1: Absolutely. And need to be known and heard. Uh, they were marginalized and despised. This is, this is a fascinating one. We, you and I are talking uh, ahead of time. Don't really like this one, right? Um, yeah, shepherds were the marginalized of society. They were, they were the poor. They were the ones out uh, that weren't the elite. And so often we as leaders and pastors, we kind of feel that we're professionals. Uh, John Piper wrote the book, Brothers, mm-hmm. We Are Not Professionals. No. And I understand what he's saying there. Mm-hmm. And it was interesting, when Jesus was born, the first people that came to visit Christ We're the shepherds. Saying what? That I'm here for the poor, the marginalized, the voiceless. And I think we need to realize that as shepherds of our congregation, we can't aspire to somehow elitism or to be... And and I hope we can be respected in our communities, that we conduct ourselves in a way that's respectful. But innately, that is not where we fit in the structure of society.
0: Now, is that because... The the organization or the people that we lead, like the the shepherds were shepherds because they led sheep. What are sheep? You know, sure. you lead sheep. Okay, well, we what know was, what, what it was you a are.
1: mundane and dirty task.
0: Yeah, and so we are identified with our people, uh, who Paul said, not many wise, not many noble. Sure. Uh, we we're, we're a humble people. And if we are shepherding these kind of sheep, then we can't expect to be regarded as uh, high tech presidents and CEOs. We're just pastors. We're just pastors, and I think we need to understand that. What if we've got a lot of degrees?
1: And I know we're ordained. And <laughs> I know, and you and you know you introduced me as Doctor David
0: Barker, and you you are Doctor Bob. Yeah, well, and, you're a big shot, man. Yeah,
1: well. I'm
0: Dave. (laughs) So so maybe uh, John Piper's concern is is legitimate that in the way that we train our pastors, we've taken on a bit of a professional uh, paradigm. And for good motives, we want to be as best that we can. Sure. But maybe there's a different way of acknowledging that, and maybe that's what ordination is supposed to do.
1: Well, and I think we need to be training our pastors to say that we are training you for a humble role in, in society and the church.
0: Right. Don't let this degree go to your head. The degree
1: is everything to do with equipping you to do your job well and not to wave the degree uh, in front of people. Um, okay, uh, just quickly, the shepherds are responsible to seek and save the lost. That's called, obviously, Luke 15. They are intimately known and trusted by the sheep. And by the way, that takes time. And uh, sometimes, you know, I, again, back when I was in seminary, I was I was taught, you know, it takes a two or three years to you're you're their first year, their preacher, then you become their pastor, then you become their leader, and it takes time to build that credibility up and trust. And so. It's character, trustworthiness, honesty, um, humility. All those factors play in. Shepherds show shepherd care for their flock rooted in love for Christ. It's interesting in John 21, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Then feed my sheep, feed my sheep, feed my sheep. So it's interesting. While we're called to love our flock, we are instructed that we love that flock out of our love for Christ. And as we love Christ and embrace all that he is Mm -hmm. Uh, in, in all the ways, that then overflows right. into love for our people. Because these
0: are people for whom he shed his blood. Why wouldn't we be interested in them, exactly. you know, to love them? He right. loved them.
1: And then it says that, uh, I just know the last point, shepherds live out a servant sacrificial spirit. First uh, Peter 5 talks about being uh, not being eager to serve, not lording over, living as examples, not greedy, and, and that kind of thing. So yeah, so uh,
0: <laughs> that you're going to have it. to get the essay or the book. Uh, and again, uh, you can contact us uh, here at Thinking About It or directly from Heritage. You Probably have a closet full of these. I yeah, know I we was given, do. I was given this. I think yep. at a seminar I went to. Uh, very helpful. So, Dave, thanks for joining us and sharing. Uh, the, uh, the Heart of a Pastor. This is the second part of a two-part series. Uh, next time we're together, uh, we'll tackle another controversial subject to think about. So until then, I'm Bob McGregor. And I'm Dave Barker. Thanks for thinking with us.